On this edition of the Table of Content, we are joined by David Belzik, a Catholic author. We'll talk with him about one of his new works, The First Act of Creation, as well as a little bit about being a Catholic author. That's all coming up next right here on the Table of Content. Thanks so much for joining us on this edition of the Table of Content. I am your host, Albert Sines. A very happy Advent and uh, upcoming Merry Christmas to all of you. We are joined today by David Belzik, a Catholic author. We're going to be talking with him about his latest work. And I want to make sure that I uh, give him a chance to say hello. So, David, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Albert. So, David, uh, as I do in pretty much every single show, almost verbatim, uh, even that is a verbatim line itself, uh, I'd like to give you a chance to sort of give our listeners an opportunity to know a little bit more about you. So if there's a sort of brief synopsis that you can give about your background, uh, where you come from, and how you ended up where you are right now being a Catholic author. Sure. Thank thank you so much. And thank you to WAOP Audio Theater. Um yeah, I want to start by saying that I'm a big believer in um, spoken word literature and in the uh, connection that it can create between the author and the reader or the listener. So I'm, I'm a big fan of what it is that you all are, are doing here. Uh, as far as my own background, I'm a poet and fiction writer. Uh, my first publications came out in 2010, uh, the uh, poetry collections Forms and Vessels, and called Perpetual. Um, that was followed in 2011 by my first novel, which is called Elenia. It is a, uh, a, a lyrical, conceptual novel that follows a number of, of generations of characters through particular towns and, and, and places that kind of mark the difficulties and challenges of their life. Um, after that, uh, I, I had a couple of other poetry collections, Somniloquy, which means sleep talking and unexpected guest. My work has been featured in uh, some musical composition and in some photographic work. In 2019, um, I published my second novel called City of Bridges, which is um, a mystery novel and was inspired by the historical architecture and geography of the, the Pittsburgh region, which is my home. Um, and then most recently, uh, about in the last month, um, uh, my, uh, my new work, the first act of creation came out and that that's what brings us together here this advent. I'm, I'm curious though, I, I, I want to get into the first act of creation, but I'm curious, you, you just basically said that, you know, your first, uh, your first writing was in 2011, but have you... Were you a late inspiration to the world of writing, or have you always been a writer in some degree? No, it's it's um, it's something that started very young for me. Uh, I think it was maybe second or third grade I started writing poetry, um, and not really understanding what I was doing or what it was or or how it fit in, into a broader artistic context. Um, it, it's just something I, I wanted to do. Um, and I went through a whole period in, uh, you know, throughout high school and into college where I was doing all of the, 
kind of half-formed adolescent things that that you have to get through, um, I think, just to work out your voice and um, to find a way to articulate you know, the things that, that you're trying to get out. Sure. Um, and went through... Yeah, how you know? I don't know. However many hundreds of rejections I got, <laughs> um, and then uh, you know it just happened to be um, in the right place at the right time when when things started to come together. Well, and that's a good testament to perseverance. I appreciate that you noted the you know the section of you know hundreds of rejections, as you said, and that seems to be somewhat of a commonplace for many writers. And I'm sure there's the ones that were just, you know, they didn't have that, but to sort of go through that and to know in your heart, you know, I am a writer, I'm going to keep trying regardless of the rejections. So it's a great testament to perseverance of following what you knew in your heart you wanted to be doing. Thank you. So let's get, uh, let's get right into it. So the first act of creation uh, here we are in the Advent season of 2020, and you have this book specifically focused on Advent. And I'm going to give you a good chance to talk about it. But I, I like that basically when we talked earlier and I did a little bit of reading, how it's a sort of Advent stations similar to Lenten stations, because I had never in my entire life of being Catholic uh, ever considered the thought of Advent stations. So it's a good preface for me to sort of kick it over to you and to sort of give our listeners a little bit more insight into what inspired this book. Sure, thank you. So it it's uh, it actually began with the Stations of the Cross in uh, 2012 or 13, I think. Um, I had wrote a, a, a Stations of the Cross. It was subsequently published by Liguri called The Final Act of Creation. And, um, you know, my writing is all secular predominantly. I mean, it deals with themes of, of faith and otherwise, um, but it's, it's not ostensibly so. Um, but I felt at the time uh, called to do this. And um, after I had, it, it led me to a, a series of other questions, you know, because when you really st start to get deep into the meaning of the passion, um, I think it leads you ultimately to questions about creation as to why are we here in the first place? And what is it that is so unique about the human identity and the human individual that it leads to this relationship with God? And so it was in the years following that, that I had the idea, well, what we really should do is to adapt this um, to Advent and to, in, instead of walking the, the stations on, on the streets of Jerusalem, take a walk through salvation history and start with uh, Genesis, with creation, uh, go through the prophets um, up to the ordinary events of the Christmas story, um, but, but also others that I think are less dealt with. So there's there's the Annunciation, but also the betrothal to Joseph, uh, the refusal at the inn, and then up through uh, Epiphany, the flight to Egypt and the murder of the innocents, and then the return out of Egypt. So that's what it, that's what it, it hopes to do. And um, 
like the Stations of the Cross, both the first act and the final act, uh, the the proceeds from the book go to charity. Um, in this case, the the proceeds from the first act of creation go to the Holy Family Hospital, um, which is uh, steps from the site of the Nativity in Bethlehem, and they serve uh, mothers and babies um, regardless of their religion and regardless of their ability to pay. So it's a it's an amazing thing. That sounds great. I mean, that's a that's a generous gift. Uh from you, I mean, just from any writer, really, but that's that's an extremely generous gift to just have sort of all the proceeds uh, go that direction. It sounds like a very worthwhile ministry happening there in Bethlehem. Well, it, it's they, they are doing amazing things out there, and I'm very proud to support them. Uh, now, still staying with the first act of creation, I think some authors, they write purely from their own sort of inspiration, and some are not strictly concerned with the audience. They write a book because they wanted to write it, and they don't really care, perhaps, about uh, the audience. It's just, this is what I write, this is what I do. You like it or you don't like it. So they're not really, you know, I'm doing this for this person or this group of people. I doubt that's the case with the first act of creation. So I'm curious as to what is your your hope, your desire for the book and those who pick it up and those read it? What what do you hope that it does for them? Yeah, so I I want to change I, I want to change perspectives a little bit um, in a couple of ways. I, I think to to be more theological about it. There is a view of the incarnation that it is um, a, a, a necessary step on the way to the passion. Um, but other other theologians, and it was particularly Karl Rahner's work that sort of inspired me on this, have have proposed that well, maybe we ought to look at it the other way around. Maybe we ought to look at it that the whole reason that we're here is for the purpose of the incarnation, because this is the type of relationship that God seeks to have with um, his creatures. And that's, I think, a, a perspective shift. And to be less theological about it, I think it all comes back to an examination of who we are. What does it mean to be human? Why is it that the church teaches that the kingdom of God is within you, which is a, a statement that is almost too broad to comprehend. Um, and what does that mean for the way that we treat each other, for the way that we live? You know, if you, if you look at um, everything that I think the incarnation tells us about who we are and about what we're meant to become, then it's, it's easier to understand why Christ says, what you do to the least among me, you do to me. So that was the inspiration for writing it. Um, as far as speaking to a particular audience, um, what I tried to do here uh, is I, I tried to take these distant historical events and what you might even say are distant theological concepts and to articulate them in common human experiences. And so the works are actually written in sort of an antiphonal sense which is good for a couple of reasons. It's good, number one, because you can pray them uh, 
in a reading and response um, way that you might pray Stations of the Cross. And so they could mm-hmm. actually be used in, in, in a liturgical setting. But also it adds to the work because it makes the act and completion and fulfillment of creation like a conversation. And the work draws heavily on scripture so that in a way, um, it, it, it's almost like creator and created going back and forth with one another and expressing the longing and the, the, even the disillusionment and, and, and everything, you know, in the human heart in, in terms of the promise of some greater destiny and even, you know, using the words of those promise down through the, through the, the eras. Um, and so that's the way I try to make it tangible. You know, I, I think we, you know, we, we come together as, as Christians, as Catholics, we, we understand the significance of Christmas. We come together, we celebrate the birth, and then it's sort of this sort of dash to the Lenten season and to be fulfilled by Easter. And then it's the big celebration of the resurrection because it's through the resurrection, of course, that we, you know, we are saved from our sins. We have the opportunity to go to heaven, but I think we, we don't reflect on the fact that well, in order for that to have happened, there had to be the life before the death of Christ. You know, Christ had to be born. He had to live his life. He had to get to his point of public ministry. And the same for us, we have to live, we're born and we have to live our life till, you know, till the day comes by God's, you know, God's divine will that our life is over. So we, I, I don't think we think too much about that, that it's a necessary, the incarnation was necessary to get to the great salvation of his death and resurrection. So to have the opportunity to sort of ponder that in a greater way, the opportunity to reflect upon that and to sort of think, yeah, this is, this is a very important part of my life. This is an important part of my faith. Um, a very, very interesting take from, from the way that you explain it. Yeah, and, and I mean, maybe even even consider flipping the way that you said it now, um, Albert, that, you know, maybe the passion and the resurrection is necessary for the incarnation and that God wishes from the outset to be physically one with a creation that can can love him in return and, and is willing as a part of the creative act to take on the suffering of the passion for that to be so. Mm-hmm. Sure. No, I, I, I can see, I can see that perspective as well. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's the great mystery, right? It's the great mystery of our, of our God, of our creator, uh, who, who loved us so much that he one even gave us existence, but then to in his great wisdom, knowledge, omnipotence, whatever you want to call it, to say, all right, now something has to happen that's really sort of almost incomprehensible, and to say, all right, there's going to be a birth, it's going to be my son, the Holy Spirit's going to be involved, there's going to be life, there's going to be then death and suffering, but it's all wrapped together, and it's all part of the larger plan that God had since the beginning of time. I'd like to sort of take just a little bit of opportunity here before we run out of time um, to talk a little bit about being a Catholic writer 
uh, I, I did say, I, I want to make sure that I will reemphasize for everyone about the first act of creation at the end of the show. But I'm, I'm interested in Catholic writers because it seems like it's a sort of a minority compared to the world of authors. So I'm, I'm interested in asking the question of what, what is it like being a Catholic author in a world of non-Catholic authors? I think the best way that I could say it is that for me, the things that I write come from what I think about the human person. And that is an, an upwardly directed thought that we have a, a, an infinite potentiality for goodness, for change, for um, experience. And so, you know, I, I think that, that that potentiality then comes out in the work because the, the themes and the characters that you um, end up adhering yourselves to or maybe end up adhering themselves to you um, have, have this upward-looking hope. And I think that's, that's one of the great realms for literature to explore is how is it that we find and, and keep, you know, what, what you might even call an impossible hope or an unreasonable hope um, amid all the tribulations of life. Um, what is it about the human person that endures? What is it about the human person that is capable of self-sacrifice? So um, those themes are not unique in any way to Catholic literature, but I do think that a, a person's or an author's perspective on the human person is is what most dramatically finds voice in in art. So you, so you take your unique perspective on being an author, specifically being a Catholic author, and you create, obviously, something very, I guess we'll say, very obviously a faith-based writing like the first act of creation, but you're also able to create a novel like City of Bridges, which you nodded to in your introduction, and you said is a mystery, a mystery novel. So it's a, uh, it's a, seems like a distant uh, change from writing the first act of creation, this sort of advent stations, spiritual contemplation, and you write City of Bridges. So there's obviously some difference, or maybe there's not from your perspective. So can you sort of allude to how you kind of go from one side to the other, if there is any change for you at all? It's, it's a different mode of articulation, but it's concerned with the same questions about human identity. So the City of Bridges is, um, is about a courier who's carrying something. And he's killed while crossing a bridge, supposedly. And there are two parallel stories in the book. There's uh, the story of the investigation of his murder. Um, and that has sort of the, the trappings of a genre detective novel in the sense that there's a, a hard-boiled uh, detective and, and his team. And, you know, they're trying to interview the witnesses and follow the clues and 
they are um, lost sort of in the labyrinth of this crime that on its face is very simple, but it, it is in fact um, inscrutable. And then um, there is a contemporary narrative uh, where a hundred years later, um, there's a, a group of people in the city who have, have a renewed interest in this unsolved crime that has kind of taken on a, you know, an urban legend status in the city. And they decide to go and search for the thing that the courier carried. And they are opening up the walls of old apartments and, um, you know, taking up the floorboards and things to see if maybe something was hidden somewhere. And it's the tension between these two mysteries the 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 mystery of the person and his identity and his death and the mystery of what it is that he carried and there's in the contemporary narrative a, a real attack on the person of the courier that in fact um he was a fraud that he wasn't even the victim that somebody else died maybe he was the killer and the narrator of the book sort of keeps his faith in the identity of the courier despite all this. So it turns into, uh, I think, an examination of our relationship to the past, our relationship to um, the myths and stories of the past. Uh, the characters are are very intentionally adapted from ancient myths um, across different cultures um, to even sort of delve deeper um, into how it is that these ancient truths come through or fail to come through to the modern. Um, and that is kind of, again, reflected on the, the person of the courier who does not make it across the bridge. And so in, in all those ways, it's exploring um, our relationship to the past and to the lost and to what it is that compels us to believe something. So that's that's how I think very different literary pieces can give voice to the same human concerns. So, David, as we come to a close here, uh, sometimes with certain uh, people who kind of are in the creative world themselves, I like to give them the opportunity. If they were going to give a short sort of bit of advice out to others who are trying to find their own creative niche. Uh, how, how would you encourage those people uh, to sort of go about doing that? Obviously, you found yours at a very young age and you stuck to it. Uh, but what, what would you say to sort of give some inspiration or hope to other creatives out there? Well, I think I think the two most obvious pieces of advice, which are not going to be unique to me, are um, you have to be who you are and don't give up. I mean, I think that, you know, everybody goes through this. I certainly went through it. You still struggle with it where you um, you have such, um, you're so impressed by sort of the giants that came before us and there's there's a desire to uh, do what they did as they did it, to emulate their style, their subject matter, their voice. And um, I don't think you can succeed that way. I mean, you every person has their their own unique and valuable 
story and voice and and perspective. And so you have to take the material that you're given and find the depth and the truth that is in that and to write from what you know and from what you understand so that you have a, a, a basis to make it compelling. Um, and then, you know, don't, don't give up. I guess maybe the third thing that I would add is it's, it's great to have a good editor. You know, you can never, one of the most frustrating things is that you can never ever have the experience of reading for the first time something that you have created. Um, and at some point, uh, you, you know, some people say, well, all writing is rewriting. And, and to a degree, that's true. But at some point, you hit a place where um, you're not even making something better. You know, you're just making it different. And um, having, a, having a, a, a great editor that you can partner with um, helps. It helps you to, to see yourself from a third person perspective. Um, so don't, you know, don't bottle it up. Um, share it. I, I appreciate the, the the last one. You know, at Audio Theater, our senior editor, she does an amazing job for the stories that get submitted to sort of give them more life than they had. And we see a lot of these stories, and they're they're great stories, but then they kind of go under the red pen, and they come out uh, even even greater. So I, I do appreciate your last bit of advice there about the editor. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've been having the pleasure of talking with David Belzik uh, on this episode, uh, Catholic author, and uh, we talked. We spent the first half of the program talking about the first act of creation. Uh, if you've been still looking for something to read to help you through the Advent season and you have time left, I encourage you to go out and find that book. Uh, if you're interested in other types of book, obviously David writes them. He spoke about his mystery novel, City of Bridges. So if you're looking for a good mystery, uh, consider uh, picking up David's book there or any of the other works that he has written. I'm sure that you can find them with great ease with a little bit of searching. Uh, we want to make sure that we give a big thanks to David. David, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Thank you so much, Albert. Ladies and gentlemen, again, as always, we're so glad to have you on board for the table of content, and we do want to make sure that we wish all of you a very happy Advent and a very blessed Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thanks to all of you. Tune in. Until then, be good, stay safe, peace. Peace.